Noel, Rick, thank you, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. And let me ask you this question. When is pain a good thing? This is a difficult message to preach because this is, this is something that's not easily wrestled with. It's important for us to think through it in biblical terms. It's important for us to come out on the other side of this discussion, having been informed biblically, but it's a tough question to ask. It's even tougher to answer. When is pain a good thing? You know, when fog settles into the city, a fog can cover uh, uh, an area of seven city blocks, 100 feet deep. And that fog is composed of one cup of water. See, it doesn't take much to cloud our eyes. It doesn't take much to cloud our vision. And for some of us, due to a cup of trouble and a cup full of pain, a cup full of thorns, we lose our ability to see clearly. In this series, we're looking at seven positions that if we stay in these positions, it positions us not by manipulation of God's hand, but it positions us to be in a position to receive blessings that God would pour out. I just want to remind us where we've been to keep ourselves in a position to be blessed. We have to be in a position of prayer. And in that position of prayer, we have to exist in a position of expectation and trust. But then these positions get difficult because we also have to be in a position of letting some things go. And as patient talked about last week, of leaving some things behind. Leading up to being in a position of embracing. Embracing what? Well, certainly embracing the goodness of God and his provision, his, his profound mercy and grace, absolutely. But what about embracing pain? When is pain a good thing? The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Has that been our response in affliction? It is good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Because I learned your statutes. I learned your commands. I learned your ways. It was good for me that I was because I learned. Even though it wasn't good to me, it sure was good for me. When is pain a good thing? When because of pain, I learned about God. There's a passage of scripture I want to jump into that was written by a man that if anybody should have the favor of God on his life, it was this guy. He started out as, as a Jew of Jews, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, a religious, of, one of the most religious zeal one could be. His name was Saul, and he started out in his life very zealous for the Jewish faith. He lived during the time of Christ, and during his life, Christ was born and died and resurrected and ascended back to heaven. And this new thing that was started at Jesus' ascension to heaven and the gifting of the Holy Spirit was called the church. And Saul was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and did not appreciate them hijacking the Jewish faith. And so Saul set out on a life mission to destroy the followers of the way. And during his zeal, and when in the midst of his great passion, God got a hold of his life. 
and absolutely turned his life upside down. He still had the zeal, he still had the passion, he still had the fervor, but now it was for things of Christ. And during this transition point in his, in his world, when God got a hold of him, he spent three years by himself, he and the Holy Spirit. He connected with the new followers and leaders of the way, and then he spent another 14 years just learning, spent 17 years in total, learning of Christ, the Messiah, all the Old Testament scriptures that he knew from the viewpoint of Judaism, and he now translated all those in the context and the view of the Messiah to Christ, the Son of the living God. And he spent this time learning about grace, learning about mercy, learning about, in a new way, God's sovereignty. And he became the world's greatest evangelist and greatest church planter. We're here because of his ministry. God's work through his life. It's amazing. And you'd think if anybody had the hand of God on him and the hand of favor, it'd be this guy. The incredible transformation that took place in his life at the hand of God through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit and then his work. And yet, he penned these words. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. He says, the thorn wasn't good, but what it produced in me was. What made the thorn good? Grace. Because it was through the thorn that Paul experienced grace, and through the experience of grace, power. So what I want to do this morning is look at two ways God uses thorns. I want to look at the way God uses thorns in the Christian's life. And I want to look at the way God uses thorns in the non-Christian's life, someone who hasn't yet decided to give their lives fully to him. The context of this passage is that Paul was under attack by leaders in the Corinthian church, in the church in Corinth. Because there were some who were saying that Paul didn't have the right credentials to do what he was doing. He didn't have enough experience. He didn't have enough leadership credibility. He didn't have enough to authenticate his role as the leader. They were questioning his authority. They were questioning his leadership. And that what they're saying of Paul is like, look, Paul, you talk real big when you write letters, but when you're with us, you're weak. And in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, Paul tells them, y'all, church, need to get your act together. Because I can come back and see you and revert to my old ways of overpowering zealous intimidation. Don't worry about that. I can dominate you if you make me. You don't want me to go back to who I used to be, but I'll gladly play that role if that's what you need. Get your act together. That's what he says. He says, you don't want to push me that far. I could live that way, but I suggest that you get your act together. Now, Paul knows what every good leader knows. There's a time to dominate, 
and there's a time to de-escalate. And a good leader can exist in both of those camps when he needs to or when she needs to. There's a time to dominate. I'll come back if I need to. Don't make me pull this car over. You know how that goes, right? <laughs> but there's a time to de-escalate as well. In 2 Corinthians verses, or chapters 10, 11, 12, is some of the most autobiographical writings from the Apostle Paul that we have in Scripture. And it is his most personal defense of his life and of his call and of his authority. He's almost under gag orders by God not to say too much, but he does say enough. And what Paul does is say, I was given a thorn by God. And he says, I will take delight in my weaknesses. What he literally means in verse 10 is I will take pleasure in the thorns. You got a thorn? Has this been your response? Literally, he says, the thorn that I have, I will think of it now as good. The thorn that's been given to me, I will choose to consider it for me as good. The thorn that God has given me, I will decide that it is good for me. That's his perspective. Is that yours? There's a lot of discussion what this thorn was. Nobody knows. There's a lot of informed, educated discussion from what we understand from Scripture. Some say it was his eyesight, that that was his thorn. And there's indication through his epistles, his writings, that he had poor eyesight. At one point, he says, look at what large letters I'm writing to you. Some, there's another portion, he says, look, I know you love me. You would give me your own eyes if you could. There's some indication that he had really poor eyesight. There's some indication that he had a really bad uh, uh, stuttering problem. Like it was hard for him to speak in public. That's why he wrote so much. And that's why he appeared weak in person because some would say he had a stuttering problem. There's some would say that he suffered from depression, that he was on the road so much and so much by himself that he suffered oftentimes from this emotional hole of depression where he just feels like, God, is it just me and you all the time? Does it have to be that way every day? There were some who would suggest that he suffered from epilepsy. And there's some indication in scripture that perhaps he had this issue. There are some indication that the thorn that he faced was just sheer loneliness. He wasn't depressed. He was just lonely. Have you ever been lonely and it feels like a thorn in your flesh? Like, God, can you just take this away and give me somebody? There were some who would suggest that the thorn that he experienced was from a group of people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were a group of Jews that would come along after Paul and say, look, we know what he just told you about mercy and grace, but it's not that easy. You got to be religious. And they just harassed him. There were some who would say that when he says was given to me a messenger of Satan, that literally it was a messenger of the adversary. If the adversary is the devil, the messenger of the devil is a demon. And there are some suggest that what was happening here is Paul spiritually was being harassed day after day after day by demonic influence. Not that he was, but that they were pressing against him. He was facing fierce and demonic spiritual battle. Whatever the thorn was, and he doesn't tell us, but even if it was a demon, it was given to him by whom? Don't be afraid to say it out loud. 
Whatever it was, the thorn was given to him by whom? Okay, wait, 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 wait. A messenger of Satan was given to him, Mackie, by God. Now, you're young. You don't have much time in the theological world that I have. But is that hard to understand? Yeah. That God used the devil to do God's work. That the thorn given to Paul was from God, but the delivery service was the devil. If Paul was given this thorn, and if that thorn was evil, understand, it was evil only so that he could see God's power in its defeat. And sometimes the defeat of the evil is simply living with it by grace. Not always the removal. Now, there's no need to figure out what Paul's thorn was. There's no need to figure that out. I'm glad he didn't tell us. Because if he said, well, my thorn was eyesight, we'd say, well, God has power over the thorn of eyesight, but I got a different thorn. So I'm glad he didn't tell us. So let's not worry about what's not there. Let's snuggle up to what is there. What we do know, he had a thorn. And what we do know about us is that we have a... Haley, you got to help me out a little bit. Paul had a thorn. We don't have to, I'm not there yet. We don't have to know what his thorn is. All we have to know is that we have a thorn. Lead them a little bit. In verse 10, Paul goes on and he says, I will glory, I'll delight, I'll take pleasure in my thorns. And then he says, they're weaknesses. Sometimes we have weakness and our weaknesses are thorns. Whether it's spiritual of the soul or of the body, we have physical thorns sometimes, don't we? He says, whether they're insults. He says, whether, whether people are offensive to me or not, I'll take delight in that. I'll take pleasure in that. I, I would love to transport Paul into modern day America and see how he feels about all our insensitivities, how we're microaggressed and how bad we feel about it. I think you say, look, y'all need to toughen up a little bit. Golly. The offense you people take at everything, I think he would come out of his skin. He says, I, you know, I'll glory in that. I'll glory in hardships. What he means is loss of necessities. Welcome to 2020. He says, I'll take pleasure in those. Whether it's persecution or calamities, I will take I will consider those things good for me. Though they're not good to me, they're good for me. Why? Because in them, I learn of something. He says, that thorn was sent to harass me. It means literally to torment me. It means literally to beat me violently with fists. This is not a simple, light thing. See, here's, here's something we got to remember. Sometimes pain makes us pay attention in ways pleasure cannot. Have you ever been in one of those moments of pain in your life where you woke up? We're just like, oh, pain does that. And sometimes God allows that. And sometimes God even sends that because he knows that pleasure and comfort will keep us asleep. 
See, pain has a way of making us do something that we should be doing regularly anyway. Do you know what it is? Pray. He says, I prayed three times. That doesn't mean three prayers. It means three seasons of my life. I spent seasons in earnest prayer and petition before God that he would intervene and do something. See, pain has a way of making, making us do what we should do, pray, just do it with greater fervency and passion. Prayer ought to always be the outgrowth of thorns. Not just for the removal of it, but for God's plan with it. See, this is where we go, where we fall short. When we have thorns, our prayers, God, get rid of it. Fix it. Heal it. Rather than God, God, work your grace in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Vast difference. See, when we have a thorn, we have to understand the difference between one, our proposed solution, and two, God's providential action. Vast difference here. We have to understand the difference. When we're in pain, we have a thorn. There's our proposed solution. See, our proposed solution is what we suggest God do for us. And we got a lot of proposed solutions for him, right? And those aren't necessarily bad. They're really not. I mean, Jesus prayed prayers like this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, if it be, if it's possible, I got a suggestion for you. Right? Paul did the same thing when he prayed for three seasons of his life. Doesn't seem to go away. I got a proposed solution for you, Father. So it's not bad in and of itself. But overriding our proposed solution, we have to understand God's providential action where God has ordained something in the midst of it. And so while we might have our proposed solution, we say, God, I submit it to your providential action, your will. We always have to have his providential action in mind whenever we pray about our proposed solution. That was really, really good right there. I, sometimes I, I just need to help you understand when I'm good, uh, and that was it. And so let me just, uh, two things, okay? So let me just address people who, who, who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, okay? We call ourselves Christian, okay? Let me explain how God uses thorns in our lives. God uses thorns as his providential action to show the power of his grace. Now, here's why he uses thorns. Because intellectual and theoretical are no substitutes for experiential. We can know something in our head. We can know something in learning. But till you walk through it, you don't know it, right? And so God says, look, I heard what y'all want, but I'm going to give you what you need. Here's a thorn. Now, remember, if you're praying about something and you're not getting it, it's probably because God's given you something you need. You understand? The thorn was given to Paul by God. That means the thorn was a gift from God. This is tough theology. This is tough doctrine. Like, God, I asked for good. You gave me a thorn. That does not make sense. But understand, put this in context of Luke 11. 
In Luke 11, Jesus is talking about the love of the, the heavenly father. And Jesus says in that context, he says, what father, even though you are evil, when your child asks for a fish is going to give him a snake? He said, you are evil fathers and you know how to, how, you know, how to give them good. If you, as your child asks for a fish, I'm going to give him a snake. Though you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? So if the gift God has given you is a thorn, guess what? Josiah, you're tracking with me. So if the father gives you, the perfect father who loves you, gives you a thorn, guess what kind of gift it is? It's a good one. Is that crazy? So some of you right now have thorns in your life. Some of you are sitting next to them and you're married to them. Some of you have got a thorn right now. And your only desire is God, take it away. And he's saying, no, no, no. This is a gift from me. And you don't understand it right now, but it's good. So if the perfect father gives you a thorn, then it must be better than what you're asking him for. Do you understand? The gift that was given him was so that he would learn grace and through the experience of grace, he would experience power. Not power to control people, not power to control situations, but power to rely on God's providence and his presence that will never leave him. And though the gift was from God, what was the delivery service God used? Sienna, did you get that? I know you're not in seminary like John is, but you're pretty bright. You're teaching a college class, for goodness sake. So the gift was from God, but the delivery service was what? A messenger of the devil. Did you know that the devil can't even be a good devil without God's permission? Did you realize that? The devil can't even be a good devil without God's okay. How do you, here's, the, here's the big question, okay? How do you know the thorn? Is it from God or is it self-inflicted? If it's from God, you let it do its work. If it's self-inflicted, you get rid of it. Don't be dumb, right? So how do you know? Okay, good, thank you. Let me tell you how you know. It's through prayer. That's how you know. When we started this series, I said the first position to keep yourself in in order to experience the blessing of God was to be in a position of prayer. Without prayer, you will never know. If that thorn in your life is from God and it's a gift, or if it's from you, it needs to be dealt with. See, when you have a thorn, and if you are right with God, and in continual prayer with right motives, see the book of James, and the thorn is not removed, it's probably providential and a gift from God. Does that make sense? And he's working in it, and he's working through it. Now, if it's self-inflicted, 
get rid of it, right? Was thinking, how can I best explain, like in picture detail, the difference? And so I'm going to show you what a self-inflicted thorn is. There are some things we do to ourselves. And we're like, well, God, you got it. And so this is what I know. There are some things that we do to ourselves. There are some things we do to ourselves that's completely self-inflicted. And we sit around going, God, please, God, huh? He said, look, that's not from me. You got to deal with that. You want me to make it right? You've got to deal with that yourself. See, there are some thorns that we inflict upon ourselves, right? You understand? You understand the point I'm making? And so if, if this is where you are and you're like, Lord, I know it's, I mean, then deal with it and take it out. Right? Okay. Now, if it's from God, that's something different. If it's from God, there's no manner of pulling you can do on that thorn that's going to remove it. He says, he shuts doors, no one can open, and he opens doors, no one can shut. So if the thorn is from God, you're walking right with him, you're praying earnestly, according to the book of James, and he leaves it there, don't yank at it. Embrace it. Because through that thorn, you will learn God's grace and his power that makes you sufficient in the midst of that thorn in your life. For every season, in every good work. It's in the embracing of the thorns that God gives to us that we gain strength. I tell my staff all the time. Say, look, you work with some people who are thorns in your life. <laughs> Not just each other, but people in our church. Oh, we're, we got some thorny people in our church. Uh, and you cause us pain sometimes. <laughs> And, 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 and we don't pray for your removal. <laughs> well, a couple times we do, but for the most part, we like you, even though you cause us problems. So I tell my staff all the time, look, I know they're a thorn right now, but they're there to help you learn grace. So lead, I tell them this all the time, lead as if nothing's wrong, even though something is wrong, and give grace in the midst of what's wrong. Do you understand? So in the midst of your thorn, embrace it because his grace is sufficient. Now, for the non-Christian, those who haven't yet signed on the dotted line with Jesus, if your thorn is self-inflicted, don't blame God. Get rid of it, Right? God might be using those to lead you to him. God may remove it for you, or he just might let it sit there and allow it to get so painful, it drives you to your knees before him. See, God loved you so much that he took his son's life and substituted it for your future. 
And he showed his love for you so much that he asked his son to die so you could live. That is his primary expression of his love for you. After he did that, his love for you is so extreme that he wants to again convince you of his love for you by how much he blesses you. And the fact is that he would rather overwhelm you with blessing to convince you of his love that you look at all he's blessed you with and say, God, thank you. You've done more for me. You've done more with me. You've given me more than I ever deserve. And I'm going to respond in loving you. The problem is is for many people when they don't realize how much God has blessed them and love him because of that, then God will move to the next area of convincing you of his love. And that will be seen by what he blocks from you. Because the truth is none of us have reaped all that we have sown. And we start to understand how much he has blocked from our lives, how much we could and should have been destroyed, how we should have ruined our marriage, how we could have destroyed our family, how we could have ruined our business. And we realize that he has blocked from us the destruction we deserve. We realize, God, thank you that you have blocked from me what I deserve. I'm going to love you in response. The problem is that most people don't realize his love by God's blessing, nor by God's blocking. So then God God breaks them. And he says, that's fine with me then if you're not going to acknowledge me for who I am because I've been so good to you. And you're not going to realize how much I blocked from you. I will use that thorn to break you. Let me tell you, friends, you do not want to get to that place where he breaks you. So if you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus through faith and you have thorns, They are there to drive you to him. Acknowledge his blessing on your life. Acknowledge how much he has blocked from destroying, from you destroying yourself before he lets you get to the place of being broken. There's a huge difference in the way God uses thorns in the life of a Christ follower and the life of someone who isn't or who is out of step. And if you've not yet chosen to follow Jesus with your life, how bad do you want him to let it get before you do? If you know you're walking out of step with him, how bad do you want him to let it get? Till you're broken? And so I want you to pray with me right now. I'm not done talking yet, but I got to stop and do this. If you've not given your life to Christ, or if you're so far out of step with him where things are starting to break, just close your eyes and pray with me. Father, I thank you that you love us so much, that you traded your son's life for our future. There are things in our life that you bless us with that we don't deserve. And you have blocked us from being completely destroyed like we do deserve. And we come to you in this moment before we're completely and utterly broken. I would encourage you in the quietness of this moment to say between you and God, God, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me to make me right with you. I accept 
your death in my place. And I make you the leader of my life. As much as I know how, I'll follow you. Help me to love you more. I say today that you, Jesus, are my God. Amen. For any of you that have prayed that, something just happened. Whether you felt or not, I don't care. Here's what happened. The thorns you had were thorns that were going to break you. But the moment you cross over from that world to God's world, those thorns are transformed. Now they're not things that will break you because now they have no mastery over you because greater is he who is in us than the thorn that's in the world and now we are more than conquerors. So the thorns that you once had that would serve to break you, now they become thorns that will serve you for your good to help you understand God's grace and in that grace give you power. It's different now. See, how you trust God today will position you for blessing tomorrow. And when you cross from that world to this world, even the thorns in your life are transformed. This is where it gets really, really good. Because for the follower of Jesus, the thorns now have no power for destruction. Now the thorns are not things that break us. And now the thorns are not things that destroy us. And now the thorns are no, do not have mastery over us. Before they did, and before our focus was on the thorn, and they were the conqueror in our life. Because all of our prayer, and all of our energy, and all of our desire was, God, get away, get rid of the thorn, get rid of the thorn, get rid of the thorn. Because they were conquerors over us. They controlled us. But now with Christ, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Do you understand that? Now I'm more than a conqueror. There's no weapon formed against me, nor thorn formed against me that can stand. Because now it works for my good. Now I get to experience grace and experience grace power that makes me all sufficient for all things in all things. One of the greatest passages in all of scripture, come up here, Caleb. One of the greatest passages in all of scripture, the greatest passages of grace is in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And it says this, God is able to make what? All grace, all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is the promise for Jesus followers of the thorns. This is our promise in the midst of the thorns. So I don't have to be afraid of the thorns. I don't have to be concerned about the thorns. They don't win. They don't have mastery anymore. Now I get all grace. That he blesses me abundantly. Not in the removal of the thorn, but in the presence of the thorn. That I am abundantly blessed in all things, for all things, with all I need. Even with the thorn. Do you know what kind of position that puts me in? Do you know what kind of position it puts you in? Your whole life. You've been running from the thorn. Your whole life, you've been begging and pleading God, God, do something different. Get rid of it. Change it. Transform it. Heal it. And maybe God's saying, you haven't yet let it teach you. Learn of my grace. Because even in the thorn, my grace makes you sufficient. More than conquer. So now we're not afraid. 
Now we don't live in the context of anxiety and fear. Now, even with the thorn, God is bigger. And he's made me sufficient in it so that I lack nothing. Tom, pull up that, the first slide of that lyric. Rick, you picked a great song to end with. You did a really good job this week. Look, look, now look at this. Embrace the thorn. Why? Because we have a confidence. Because we have a confidence because we've seen the faithfulness of God. Because we have a confidence when we've seen the faithfulness of God that time and time and time again, he works in spite of and in the midst of thorns. And they're in your life to teach you one thing, his grace. Because in the experience of his grace, that's where his power resides. And so don't be afraid of the thorn anymore. And don't run from it anymore. If you've prayed and you're right with him, and he's left, it's for your good. So embrace it and say, God, go ahead and bring it. It's all good. Because I know that with the thorn, you're going to give me grace. And I know with the grace comes power. I got this. You understand? So here's my ass. Stand up. Here's what happens a lot when we sing. Here's what, here's what happens a lot. When we sing, oftentimes it's like these guys are doing a performance. And we sit there and listen politely and oftentimes think, well, they did okay, all right. This isn't one of those times. Because let this be the proclamation. Let this be the affirmation and confirmation that even in the midst of the storms, I have confidence. And even with the thorn in my life right now, it might never go away, but I have confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God. So sing this loudly. Even if you sing it poorly, sing it loudly. I tell my football team all the time, if you're going to mess up, mess up fast. So if you're going to mess the song up, mess it up loud, but at least be loud in your confidence. You understand? Let's sing. Let's sing.